Hello and welcome everybody back to Eyes on the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. Hey everybody, what's going on? It is going. It is December 21st, 2016. This is episode 42, the most wonderful cube of the year. Because it's the holiday season. Yay, it's also the answer to life, universe, and everything. That too. Uh, so this week we're going to talk about a little bit about the Vintage Cube, because that is currently on Magic Online, when, and the Vintage Cube is fantastic if you've never drafted it. We're going to talk all about it. We're going to do my very quick recap of GP Milwaukee, which happened a few weeks ago. Um, and then we're going to do our best and worst of 2016. In no particular order, kind of random scattershot, but just some thoughts we had on some good things and some not-so-good things from the year in Magic. Yeah. We, are, no we, we obviously around, believe so. with, like, There's no hierarchy for our bests and worsts. Like, this, isn't oh, a, and this isn't a top five list or anything like that. This is, this is stuff we were just like, hey, what's bad? What, what was bad that happened was not what was good that happened. We were obviously missing some stuff. Yes. Bear with us on this. If there's stuff you messed up, if you thought we should talk about, let us know. We'll exactly. talk about it maybe later on. Before we get to that, let's turn our eyes to the community real fast because uh, our very own Ian got a Thopter Pie Network. Yeah, I got the holiday card. It was yeah. great. Yeah. I got it in the um, so I got it in the mail the other uh, just a day or two ago, two yeah. days ago, yeah, on Monday, and uh, I was kind of suspecting it was coming because of some reasons, but it, it was just really kind of nice. Uh, had the you know the nice letter and thanking you know for the contribu- contributions to the community and everything like that this year. I'm just assuming through modding and the podcast, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna go with that, <laughs> but uh, just everything I've done for the community this year and it, it was much much appreciated um i mean i didn't have to get it but it just getting it all the same is still kind of touching and i was like yay it's, yeah. it's great to get being recognized is awesome well yeah and the card is some great art i'm actually considering getting one of the prints that uh victor uh, victor dom against who's the one who does the art for dr pine network who funny side story his mom actually like I think owned a bakery or something like that growing like when he was growing up and she made the pies that he uses as reference pieces. Nice. For the actual art. I believe but, there's also a Thopter Pie Network playmat that Ultra Pro is selling, but Nice. But yeah, there's um I'm just probably gonna get a print, frame the print, maybe frame the card in yeah. the pr- in, yeah, the frame as well. Yeah, kind of nice good little idea. Yeah, nice little display piece. But, uh, also, we wanted to point out a great article by uh, Paulo Vitor Damadorosa, otherwise known as Pablo Doritos, um, Pablo. who put up a great article today on Channel Fireball say about if you, that you've qualified for the Pro Tour, so now what? Yeah, I just wanted to highlight this one because it's one of those things, I mean, something John and I, I mean, hope would happen someday. It would be great. But sometimes people, you know qualify for a pro tour through an RPTQ or they just win a GP out of nowhere and get lucky or, you know, just qualify for a pro tour through one of the other means. And they're like, okay, now what do I do? I have some great, great tips on like, Hey, make sure your visa, make sure your passport is at least six months good. Cause apparently some people have like their passports perfectly valid, but it expires in four months and some countries require you to have one that's good for six months out. Yeah. That is a problem for U.S. passports. Yeah, so just just stuff like that to be wary of, like how you should travel. Like if you qualify through it, do you get a travel voucher for certain things? How do you go about coordinating with wizards on that? How long do you want to? Like they bring up uh, the pro tour that's coming up in Dublin, and there's a GP that's happening out. I think it's Warsaw. Uh, Prague. Prague. That's it. One of the Eastern European. Because there's 
covered for so, GP Prague, but not GP San Jose. Right. So there's GP Prague that's happening, and then the week after that is the Pro Tour. So he was also bringing up something. If you're qualified for this one, you want to go to both the GP and the Pro Tour. He recommends kind of doing that so you get you know high level experience at the GP drafting, which you're going to be doing at the Pro Tour. So it's just a couple of cool things like that, um, things you might not have thought of, but had like an inkling of because they do like the whole house and how you test about it and stuff like that. So yeah, also time drafts can be very uh, stressful. Um, so making sure that you've done at least one before going yes. to the Pro Tour would be very helpful. He was recommending getting at least ten. Yeah, that that's where I would want to. That's where I would feel comfortable. But making sure that you at least know how a time draft works is is going to be good for you. Oh yeah. Um, so there's just a cool, cooler article. Um, again, so many of these sites have such great articles day in and day out. I just wanted to highlight that particular one. Oh yeah. Also, Paulo's just a great, great source of magic knowledge. He's not in the Hall of Fame for nothing. And he's hilarious to hang out with. I, as I've heard can, from several can, podcasts, cough loading or, or no limited resources. Sorry. I can also attest to that fact in person after playing, I think it was Scategories or something like that, oh, after geez. GP Vegas last year. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Sick humble, sick humble brags. Yup. First you, first you hang out with Paulo, and then you get a Thopter Pie Network. I know, right? Conspiracies. Anyways. 2016 was good. Yeah. So let's go ahead and <laughs> dive on into Cube. Uh, we've talked about Cubes a little bit in the past. Basically, it's kind of a homemade limited format. Where you're going to draft the packs like you would for like a Kaladesh booster draft. But there's some restrictions. Usually they're only one-ofs, but it's, if it's your cube, you can do whatever you want. And the Vintage Cube, currently on Magic Online, is what we call Powered. In the sense that the Power 9 are included in the cube. So almost anything is possible. Yeah, and if well, and they curate it constantly, add new cards, takes them out, evaluate it after each iteration of the cube being live, saying like, okay, which cards aren't doing that great? What can we replace? Like, for instance, some of the cards that were removed for this particular cube that had been in it were Isamaru Hound of Conda, the old, like the one of the original old school like two twos for one mana, Rest and peace. they put in <laughs> Selfless Spirit in its place. Yeah, um, stuff like uh, Whisperwood Elemental. The four, four for five. They would, you know, manifest the top card of library. They put Virtuous Gear Hulk in instead, stuff like that. So they they make kind of some little tweaks tweaks here and there. Uh, Recruiter of the Guard, the the one from the the latest Conspiracy, replaced Secure the Wastes. Yep. However, they've also removed trouble cards, like the good old Time Vault, uh, Voltaic Key combo to take infinite turns. Uh, yeah, that was, removed, that was a that was. Uh, like two iterations ago, I want to say. Yeah, well, they moved a year or two ago, but it's something like that kind of thing where it would just, if you got the Voltaic Key and the uh, Time Vault, you can just take infinite turns and you usually built your deck to get those out as quickly as possible. Yeah, it, it got to the point in the Powered Cube where you would first pick a card that can untap an artifact for the hope that you get a, a Time Vault. Yeah, like you could pick something almost like a... Um, Ralzeric... Tezzer you basically Seeker. you could almost do like a pseudo um uh, what's it called splinter twin combo kind yeah. of thing where you'd want something like untap target permanent and you control yeah so, and they're like this is just way too ridiculous yeah we want to do broken things but slightly less broken things so john what are some broken things you can do in this well the powered cube is one of the few places that you can actually play storm and singleton storm especially when you have to draft the deck is a adventure in and of itself. 
certain cards yeah. that you would not play anywhere else, including, say, Heartbeat of Spring, which is a two and a green enchantment, which lets, which means that everybody's mana taps for twice. Yeah, so you t- you'll tap like a swamp and you'll get two black mana, or you tap an island and get two. And or if you, you tap a dual land, like you can actually... Fortune and Time yeah. Twister, so you yeah, can just if you just tap keep... a dual land, though, you can pick the colors. Uh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, if you, p- if you tap a dual land, you get to pick which colors. Yes. Heartbeat. And yeah, then you just get a bunch of wheel effects, and then you just cast a bunch of spells, and then you either brain freeze them out, which I've heard from most people is like the de facto Stormwind condition. Uh, or... It's... Okay, so what brain freeze is, is it storm person mills the top three, three cards of the library. So you're, it's basically a, a mill three based on how many, and it multiplies itself based on how many times you've cast a spell in a turn. So you want like Moxin and, and Lion's Eye Diamond and Tutors and Yogg's will. stuff like Yogmoth's Will to get some of those free spells back out on the board and the uh, rituals to get yourself extra mana. Yeah. It's However, a deck that's hard to draft. Is the problem? Yeah, it's I have very with hard it. to draft, hard to pilot, and also if your opponent just happens to have an Eldrazi in their deck, just completely ruins you your win condition. And what we, what Ian means by the Eldrazi is the old Eldrazi that shuffle your whole graveyard back in because so I just never I've, get milled. I've actually had an opponent sideboard in. They had no no means of ever, ever casting it, but they intentionally sideboarded in an Emrakul. <laughs> specifically, just because they saw I was on Storm, they sideboarded it in. And both times I tried, the first time I tried to brain freeze them out, it was just like the last, it was like the, the last three cards. And I was like, no. Uh, and also, pro tip, don't draft Storm when you've been awake for 22 hours during a 24-hour stream. Yeah, no, that's Those, a bad idea. Badly, I can tell you that from personal experience. <laughs> it's not fun. No. Uh, brain freeze is generally considered the best because it takes a smaller storm count generally to storm off and um, kill someone there. The other way that you can kill someone is obviously, of course, Tendrils of Agony. Yeah, which deals two damage. It's lose two life, gain two life. Oh, yeah, it's the drain, too. Yep. And it has a storm count, obviously. obviously. Um, there is no Grape Shot. Yeah, Grape Shot's not in the cube. You're right. going to be doing this red list unless, you wanna, unless you're playing stuff like Seething Song and Wheel of Fortune, which you probably will be. Yeah, so you're, you most likely, if you're drafting Storm, you go Grixis or you go four-color green or... You can also Team. go mono blue if you get high tide. You can go soul high. Yeah, that's true. But you're going to be a blue deck. And in the powered cube, I don't think they changed it since the last time I read the change update, but this is the only time where there's an unbalanced color pie, where a majority of the cards are actually blue. Yeah, I believe that's the case. I've been checking not numbers, right. and I'm not going to. we're not going to go through the whole cube list. You can look it up. Oh, no, no. But you can all, some other things you can do are... Uh, like Oath of Druids kind of decks, yep, or uh, Elf decks, you know, just mana ramp. Uh, you've also got stuff like Mishra's Workshop, which taps for three mana that you can only spend on artifacts in the cube. Um, so Wildfire style decks tend to be really good as well. Um, Blightsteel is still in the cube, right? Huh? Tinker Blights, Tinker Blightsteel. Oh yeah, Tinker Blightsteel is also in the cube. Yeah, Tinker is also an unfair magic card. <laughs> but uh, Tinker basically sacrifice an artifact, search an art, search your deck for any artifact, put it on the battlefield, so you can. You know, have like a mox out and turn two or even turn one, if you're lucky enough, you can go like mox, land, or like blue mox, land, soul ring, tap the mox, tap the soul ring, create three mana, cast the tinker, sacrifice soul ring, search out blightsteel colossus. You have an 11-11 trample infect on turn one. Which is totally fair. Yeah. 
Now, the problem with the Powered Cube is that your general mid-range decks, because in normal limited, people will talk about aggro decks versus control decks, but every deck in, in regular limited tends to just basically be flavors of mid-range. Uh, but the mid-range decks in this style of cube tend to really suffer, because like if you're casting Thrag Tusk on turn 5, that's not as good as the person who Oath of Druids into Progenitus on turn 2. Well... Or even if you serve, like, you know, it'll go towards turn five and stuff like that. Um, like, you're casting Hardcast Thrag Tusk on turn five. They're casting a Crater Hoof Behemoth and attacking you for 80 damage on turn five. Yeah. Because this cube Swag is, very, is doing, much, much faster, is the big Swag thing. Tusk ain't helping you here at all. <laughs> yeah. Now, I have my own personal preference when it comes to the cube, both the Legacy Cube and the Vintage Cube. I like to draft White Weenie because it is heavily underdrafted, and I don't have to fight for any of the pieces that I would for, say, a Storm deck or a Reanimator deck or a Heavy Ramp deck. I know what cards to prioritize and then I just take those cards earlier than the dirtily two ones for one that come around and are a dime a dozen almost. Yeah, kind of an alternate to that is the the Mono Red Burn. Just straight up draft Mono Red Burn because... The cube literally has Burn's greatest hits. Yep. Like Bolt, Sulfuric Vortex, all the little cheap creatures you could want, like Rabble Master, Eidolon um, of the Great Revel, and all these kind of cards that are just are designed to just throw fire at your opponent's face. Yeah, they even still play Jackal Pup as a uh, one mana two one that whenever it's dealt damage, it deals that much damage to you. Because yeah, it's just it's just there literally as a. I'm going to put, drop this on turn one, hit you for two on turn two, and then start throwing spells in yeah. your face. The reason that I like mono white over mono red is basically because it's easier to it's easier to pick the er, the early white cards than it is to take like a bolt or a lightning strike. That's just my preference, though. Yeah, yeah, no, and I mean, there's some people who swear up and down on mono red burn. Also, there's um, is it the shrine or you know what I'm talking about? Um, the artifact. I'm trying to think. It's the one that, like, when you cast Red Spell, you put, like, the counter on it. Oh, Shrine of Burning Rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Shrine of Burning Rage. Yeah, that card's like, also a house. Because if you're in a mono-red deck and you're casting just literal all red spells, yeah. yeah. Shrine- <laughs> it builds up quickly. Uh, so for those who know, Shrine of Burning Rage is two-mana artifact that at, your, at the beginning of your upkeep, and whenever you cast a red spell, you can put a counter on it. And I think if you pay three in sack and you deal damage equal to the number of counters on it to a creature or player. Yeah, I've seen so, shrines like, get up to like eleven. Yeah, it's just a it, ticking it's, time it's bomb. A, it's hilarious. Yeah, but yeah, John, you mentioned reanimator decks. Um, you have you can have the good old gifts reanimator deck somehow. Like you get gifts of the or gifts. Uh, gifts ungiven. Un- gifts ungiven, which is a card that you can search your library for four cards or up to four cards, up to four cards because that's important, and you reveal them to your opponent. Your opponent picks two of them. To put in your hand and the other two on your graveyard. No, 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 the opponent picks which two oh. go to the graveyard. Oh, it goes to the graveyard. And you, yeah, okay. So what you can do is there's a there's the card from uh, original Innistrad uh, block of Unburial Rites, yep. which doesn't matter if it's in your hand or in your graveyard because you can still cast it, and it puts a creature from your graveyard onto the battlefield. Also, so you just I'll, give some given for Unburial Rites and a giant fatty creature. Yeah. Also, this cube just also has Entomb and Reanimate. Entomb being one black instant, put any creature you want, or any card you want from your library into your graveyard. 
and they reanimate one mana, put target creature from a graveyard into play, at, at the low, low price of losing one life, or losing life equal to that creature's CMC. And there's Animate Dead, yep. <laughs> the one in a black enchantment when you play... This is the old school text on this one. When you play Animate Dead, choose target creature in any graveyard. When it comes into play, put that creature into play, and Animate Dead becomes a creature enchantment that targets the creature. Enchanted creature gets minus one, minus O. If Animate Dead leaves play, exile that creature. And let's also not forget Exhum, one of the black sorcery. Each player puts a creature from their graveyard into play. Super yeah, so fair. there's there's ways to cheat stuff into your yard and then get it out of your yard. I was drafting White Weenie also, earlier this week, and I actually beat a reanimator deck that had a turn three Consecrated Sphinx. A Consecrated Sphinx is a six-mana, four-six flyer that whenever your opponent draws a card, you draw two cards. Yeah, it's a great way to refill your hand. Yep. Another another card that's highly... It's really earned its nickname here, but it's called it's Ashiok Nightmare Weaver, oh, yes. or Splashiok, because if you're in blue or if you're in black, you're picking Ashiok, because Ashiok can just eliminate your opponent's win condition like some of those storm decks we we're mentioning like they might only have they might be heavily relying on brain freeze or tendrils of agony if you can exile that card and they can't cast it they got to somehow beat you with regular damage and sometimes those decks don't have a way to do that also your ashiok's plus two is they exile the top three cards of their library in limited yeah. when you play ashiok on turn three let's assume you have you have the right man and you can play and you can play ashiok on turn three um, they're only going to have 30 cards in their library. That's a 10-turn clock. Yeah, and if you get up enough and you happen to hit something spicy like a, a decent creature, you can just minus Ashiok and get that creature for free. Oh, yeah. And this has really good creatures. Yeah. So, Cube, Vintage Cube is, is really, really cool. I would highly encourage you try it out before it leaves. I think it leaves on the 4th of, Jan- of January. Yeah, around that. And I believe John and I are going to try and get together and do a draft of that tomorrow? Yes. Well, We're going to try to do it before I go home on leave. For and you if not, guys, it would be today because this comes out on Thursday. But yes. Yeah, so it'll be Thursday. Um, we'll give you the Twitch information stuff at the end of the stream. Or <laughs> stream. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast episode. <laughs> I got streaming on the mind. Um, no, but we'll do that. Also, I might try and do something from home with Lindsay when I'm there. Do a draft or stream yeah. or something like that. So we'll, we'll mention the end of the, the episode. I promise not to make you force white weenie. Thank you. <laughs> no, the cube is really fun. Like John said, uh, you'll need to do it on Magic Online, of course. Yes. Unless you unless you have a friend who has all these cards that you can just cube with. But yes. Also, the best I part about seen... the Vintage Cube um, is that I've, I've only been doing the 8-4s. I haven't done the league yet. But on the 8-4s, if you win your first round, you get enough play points to cube again. So Yeah, you can basically go infinite on the cube and just keep drafting the cube and drafting the cube and drafting the cube. a lot of fun. Now, let's move on to our next topic. This is going to be John talking about GP... Milwaukee. In the app. Milwaukee. Uh, it's one of the M words up in the north. <laughs> I keep getting Wrong them confused. Wrong Midwest state, perfect. Ian. Look, all right, <laughs> sorry. It's fine. It was cold there. It even <laughs> snowed. Um, hey, I mean, so they both have something in common? Sure. Anyways, I went up to uh, GP Milwaukee uh, because I was I wanted to get another limited GP under my belt, and I felt and I felt really confident in Kaladesh. Like I really do enjoy this format. I think I understand it better than most people do. So I thought I would take another shot at it after going nine and six at uh, GP Atlanta to try and put up a put up another good good weekend um, playing one of one of my favorite formats of all time. I think at this point. So. Um, 
Big thing about uh, this GP versus Atlanta, they were run by different um, tournament organizers. Uh, Milwaukee was run by Pastimes, and Pastimes did run a great event, but I still really miss Star City Games, actually just pre-registering every pool. And I think every limited GP, they should do that, but, you know, people or something, I don't know. Anyways. So I opened my packs to my opponent, and then they opened their packs to me, re-registered each other's pools, then we deck-built. Um, I had a very, very sweet green-black pool, because out of my six rares, because you open six booster packs, uh, five of them were either colorless, green, or black. And so I looked at the rest of my cards, and I was like, hey, I have a really sweet green-black pool. And so what I did is I played um, green-black splashing for two red cards. I splashed for um, Welding Sparks and Unlicensed Disintegration off of Prophetic Prism, Attune with Ether, and du- and uh, Double Ether Hub. No mountains. So that's essentially just Actually, like No, I didn't have fixed. any tunes, but I had no mountains. Yeah, that was it. I just had it all. Oh, so you were, attun- oh, so you were attuning for the well, Ether Hubs. I, well, I had no... There were no tunes in the deck. It was Prophetic Prism and oh. Double Ether Hub. Oh. Because you can't... You can only yeah, attune for seems- basics. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that seems... No, that seems decent fixing-wise. I also had a tidy conclusion for removal and a few Hunt the Weeks. So that turned out mm. pretty well. Uh, my rares included Nissa, which is a very good rare. Noxious Gear Hulk, which is another great mythic. Uh, Marionette Master, which I really just wanted to play because it was another top-end card. And the, the Master can really make some board states very awkward for your opponents. Mary, Marionette Master is a hell of a card in the late, mid, mid-late games. Uh, I also had a Multiform Wonder, which ha- which is great when you have a lot of energy. And I also, because I felt like it played Panharmonicon. <laughs> Because you're a crazy I'm person. I'm a crazy person. Uh, other high hit, high notes of the decks. I also had a long tusk cub in the pool, which was fantastic. Because uh, the cubby is just great. Mythic uncommon. Mythic uncommon, yeah. So that was that. And before the event started, as soon as round one pairings went up, I had a small problem. There were two John Wellses in the GP. Oh no! <laughs> so here's a really quick fix. Call a judge because I was I was actually like. 10, 15 feet away from the uh, scorekeeper's table. Tell the judge, this is the, what my problem is. They go, okay, let's talk to the scorekeeper. Talk to the scorekeeper. I never got her name. Um, but she was like, okay, what's your DCI number? What's your middle initial? All right, from now on, you're John W. on the score sheet, or on the on the pairings board. I'm like, awesome, problem solved. It's like a bad problem to have, but really simple. And we'll come back to that, John, Panic. later. Uh, round one. Played against uh, somebody who was playing a green, a Naya green, white, green, white, red aggro deck, and I lost because I made some stupid mistakes in like game one and game two. I just kind of had I drew poorly, so started off 0-1, mm. and I was not very happy about that. Yeah, it, it does happen. But I proceeded to go on a six-match winning streak, um, which was which was really really awesome. Just be able to go to six and one. I felt I was feeling really good about myself at that point. Um, in round two, I had an opponent who was a little less than on the up and up. Uh, there was one instance that happened because they were playing. There, it was basically a mirror match, and what happened is I had my multiform wonder in play, and I had a bunch of energy, and they had uh, they had four energy in play, and I also had my noxious gear hulk in play. So I jumped my my I jumped the um, multiform wonder, gave it flying, and attacked my opponent. My opponent then said, okay, harness lightning on the multiform wonder. And so I was like, okay, this is fine. I pump it down to eight toughness so that he couldn't spend all his energy to kill my multiform wonder. 
he goes, okay, so Harness Lightning targeting your Noxious Gear Hulk, which is not how that card works. It says target, and then you choose how much to spend, correct? correct? All right, that's, so, so that's where it came into play. He, he, he targeted it, realized he couldn't kill it, and then retargeted. Well, the problem was that, A, GP, day one of GPs are at competitive rules enforcement level. He had already declared the Correct. target and, and instead tried to back his way out of it and target a different creature. Yeah that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I called the judge, and he was like, no, 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 we don't need to call the judge. I'm like, that's shady, but... It's like, no, 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 I'm calling yes. a judge. Call the judge. We, we got to sort someone, it out, which so is minute someone says, The minute someone says, no, oh, free kids home. If the minute someone says, no, 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 we don't need to call a judge, absolutely call yes. a judge. Absolutely. Because if they're saying, no, 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 you don't need to call a judge, they might be trying to get something over yes. on you. And that is no, that's no, not kosher. It is not. Um, also, in round four, I, I believe, I was sitting next to a gentleman named Ian, who is a Loading Ready Run fan, and he knew who you were. Hey, nice. So, hats off to you, Ian, if you are listening. Um, and that's not me, Ian. It's yes. a different Ian. Um, great, great name, name. though. Um, the only other notable wins out of those, or n- other notable matches out of that, is the last round I was playing against a red-black aggro deck. Um, and in both games, because I won 2-0, I gained somewhat on the order of 30 life thanks to Arborback Stomper. <clears throat> oh, man, with yes. Harmonicon. Nice. So, moving on to the last two rounds of the day. In round eight, I played against probably the ble- the best blue-green deck I had ever seen in this format. They, th- this guy had Rush Me, Confiscation Coup, Sahelius Artistry, Insidious Will. He had it all. I, there was just no way that I could just beat like, that deck. It, it's Mr. Steal Your Stuff. Yeah. Like, I cast a turn five Nyssa in and game one, and he goes, Insidious Will. I go, sure, fine, whatever. <laughs> oh, man. That ultimate feels bad there. Yeah. But, uh, so I lost that round, and then round nine, I played against a five-color deck, and I was like, great, awesome. I'm not super fast, I'm not super aggressive, but I should be able to beat the five-color deck. And instead, I lose both games, and I couldn't punish them in game two because they didn't find their green man until, like, turn nine, but I didn't have an aggressive enough draw to beat face fast enough. So, unfortunately, lost their... Made, went to six and three at the end of day one, but that meant that I could come back and draft in the time to draft portion of day two, which is, again, a little stressful. And... So, oh, quick side note, for those who don't understand, but the time draft, so for those of you who are more familiar with drafting Magic Online and stuff like that, you don't get to look at your cards you've drafted already. That is the big thing. And I did make a mistake on that, because my opening pack had Durable Handicraft and Animation Module, and I thought I took the Animation Module, when instead I had taken the Durable Handicraft. Oh, no. But luckily, the pack, my pick two was another Durable Handicraft. So everything was fine. Saved. A little bit. Like, the animation module did not wheel. And I wish that I had had the animation module. But my... It's like ruined. Saved. Yeah, Durable Handicraft animation module is actually just an infinite combo if you have enough mana, which is great. Uh, But what ended up happening is I drafted a pretty okay green-black deck. The problem is that I was main decking a card that most people don't main deck in Limited, which is Hazardous Conditions. Which was? Which is two green black. All creatures without counters get minus two, minus two. Oh no! Like, normally, I don't play. That oh, card. that's that card. I was like, I was like, which one's hazardous conditions? He hasn't written in his show notes. I was like, which one's hazardous? It's it's the it's the only two man the the gold card that nobody yes. plays. 
and I main decked it because I didn't really have any other playables, and in my deck with double durable handicraft, it was absurd. Now, I can imagine whatever works. Uh, in round 10, first round of the draft, I won against the mirror match uh, after going turn two durable handicraft, playing as several creatures, and then I go hazardous conditions, hit you for 10, they go down to two, and then they go, yep, you got game one. Uh, then we trade games two and three, so I ended up I ended up winning the match. Round 11, I played against a really good blue-red deck uh, that had double Whirler Virtuoso. It had an Era of Innovation. Uh, he had a bomb in um, uh, con- or Combustible Gear Hulk. Um, he casted both games because he beat me 2-0. No, no, he beat me 2-1 because I did have a game where I ca- where I had a bunch of creatures with counters, and then I go, hazardous conditions, swing for the win, and he goes, yeah, you got me. But his deck was just really good. And then, in round 12, I get paired against a pro player, uh, Brendan McNamara, who I recall being a very good limited player. He is editor-in-chief of Hipsters of the Coast. That's why that name sounded so much more familiar than I thought it was. Yep, yeah, you see Doc tweeting with him a bunch. Anyways, I and Brendan was playing another blue-red deck, which I wasn't expecting. Um, because in, in, in our first game, he wins the role, and he goes turn two, a Curio Vendor, which is one of the blue for a 2-1, which you normally don't play. But his deck has the Healy Rye in it, which makes it much better. And he also had a Whirler Virtuoso and an Era of Innovation. And I just couldn't win. My yeah, god. Was, that, that, man, that man doesn't have a draft, draft, though. He's very good. And he was a very good opponent as well. Um, after that match, I was just kind of like, I'm 7-5. and five. I need a 3-0 the next draft to try to even get close to the money or get pro points. And I thought that it would be in my best interest, just kind of like brain space wise, to drop and go play side events, which is what I decided to do. So I ended the event at seven and five, because um, you made day two. I made day two, which is great, and I feel really confident about how I've been doing in limited lately. And I am, I am, ple- I'm happy in hindsight with the result. But again, I wish that I had done better in, on day one. Yeah, I mean that's something I know that's happened to me, like. You you backed in to day two with the, you know the round eight round nine losses like I was actually playing for my tournament life last GP I was at which was the one back in August in Portland so I had to win my last one like you you were able to like at least know okay after round seven I'm in day two yeah. let's see how far into day two I can yeah. get push my record wise me I was like I need to win I need to win I need to win and but I mean you had a good good draft yep. dish it was fine um, yeah. now speaking of the other John some, Wells some, so someone someone's got someone someone's got to go, go one and two. The other John Wells got 17th place. I was wondering why I kept doing the search for John Wells, and I'm like, his record's better than I thought it was. <laughs> no, the other John Wells... Wasn't happening here. Was 17th. Yeah, because I, I you can look at the records as they're progressing uh, online for these events, and I was like, John... All right, so John's record, how is his record? Because I think it was like day one, and you were... It was like round six or something like that, and you had mentioned that you were... So at round six, I was five and one. You're five and one, but I'm like, it's showing that he's like one every round. What's going on here? I couldn't like the numbers of how many win points you had versus like which yes. what it was showing on. The, I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Yep. Now it does. Uh, so that John Wells, I doubt you're listening, but congratulations on getting to the uh, top twenty of uh, of the GP because he he had a very good tournament. Obviously, um, like he was drafting in like pod three, I think, for the second draft. Yeah, oh, nice. so he was having a really good tournament. Now, that pretty much does it for that. GP Milwaukee was fantastic. The city was great. Um, had some decent food. 
did a lot of cool side events, did some other seals. Um, and I played it at Pastimes event this year. Uh, GP Milwaukee, uh, GP Minneapolis yeah. was Pastimes, Pastimes as well. Job, they they, they ran a they ran a pretty good they ran a pretty good event. So if you see Pastimes as an event organizer, you're gonna have Boy. a pretty good time. But let's go ahead and move on to our best and worst of 2016, where we kind of talk about yeah, so John, what we were happy about and what we were upset about in this year of Magic. Yeah, so uh, why don't you uh, start us off here because I know you put this yeah, one down. So I think one of the best things that, that has come out of this year is the fact that. We've had three very good limited formats back-to-back-to-back. Shadows of Innistrad was fantastic, Eldritch Moon was equally fantastic, and Kaladesh is, like I've said, one of my favorite limited formats. Like, each of these have been fantastic. There's no complaints about, like, Tobin Freeblade. There's no complaints about stuff from Oath of the Gatewatch. Because I I enjoyed Oath, but I did not enjoy Oath as much as I enjoyed Shadows, Eldritch Moon, or Kaladesh. Yeah, I know I kind of stopped playing limited a little bit this year right around midway through uh, Eldritch Moon because you know work life got kind of crazy and I started focusing on standard for a little bit of time and then when that finished it was Kaladesh time and then hadn't really drafted a whole lot lately but I know that people have really from what I, everything I've heard and just talking with you a lot John uh, like you said you enjoyed the format um the one thing I kind of missed when we switched over to Eldritch Moon was like oh man where's my investigate yeah. <laughs> I would love I I would love to see Investigate come back as a mechanic that kind of just persists across both blocks. Oh, yeah. Um, in a, or both sets in a block in the future. Um, just because it's a really nice way to get some, like, just some do something by playing Magic that you can later cash in if you have the oh, ability yeah. to. And also... Um, it's it's because it's not... It's one of those things where it's not going to catch you up if you're behind. No. But if you're at... at parody it can help put you ahead so uh go ahead and write down investigate for one of the mechanics when we get to the film noir plane <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you know it's true this planeswalker walked this planeswalker walked into my office i could tell she was mad because the hair was on fire <laughs> someone and i told me it was bad news <laughs> moving on this bolus character this, this bolus character he was controlling the under <laughs> Uh, oh. Moving on, Ian, you uh, put this one down. So, what, what else is in the best yeah, of 2016? Uh, Got to give a shout out to one of my favorite pros out there, uh, LSV, who this is, to put this lightly, this is an incredible feat, and it might not sound like much to people who aren't really familiar with Magic, but to people who know, this is huge. He, This calendar year, in 20, uh, 2015, 2016 season, so February, April, and August, he top aided three Pro Tours in a row. Which is silly. Pro Tour Atlanta, Pro Tour Madrid, and Pro Tour Sydney. So Atlanta modern. was modern and then standard standard. And obviously draft as the second half of both of those. Pro top aiding three Pro Tours is basically baseline qualification for a Hall of Fame career. Like you need at least three Pro Tour top eights to like to or unless you've like just done something insane in the magic community, like to even be considered for the the hall of fame and he did it in one calendar year on top of already being in the hall of fame like he had a pro tour career or he had like a hall of fame kind of career almost this calendar year which is again it's super silly and he took pro tour kaladesh off (laughs) yeah because now he's in the booth for our detriment or our benefit i'm i'm still undecided which one he could have he could have hit a top eight in every great every pro tour this calendar year but he didn't play because 
I personally enjoy him in the booth yeah. as well. Uh, honestly, he brings a great. I think team. LSV would have been on the Marvel deck, and I don't think he would have made the top eight if he was playing Marvel. Mm. But that's just my opinion. But because this is this is this is you know armchair pundits trying to talk about something that we know nothing about. But you know, I don't know if LSV would have made it if yeah. he was playing Marvel. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll never know. Technically, technically, whenever he comes back to playing, the next Pro Tour could technically continue the streak because you know consecutive off. consecutive Pro Tours etc. Um, something we forgot yeah, to put down is Shuhei's win with a deck he built the night before. Holy cow. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so great. And he's like, yeah, don't play this deck. Like, literally don't, don't play this It'll deck. Fine. Just don't. And it, the results have kind of showed. I mean, the Jeskai control deck has stuck <laughs> like, around, but yeah. The, no, no, I'm talking like his yeah, Grixis control. control like, yeah, Grixis no one's controls. playing that anymore. Well, he, he was basically like, 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 they asked him, like, how do you play? He's like, don't. What, what advice would you have to people who, the, I think it was like. Give me advice uh, for people who'd want to take Mark this to F&M. He's like, don't. <laughs> Just straight up. It was the perfect metagame yes. deck. That's all it was. It was metagame perfectly, um, which we talked about yep. a couple episodes ago. Uh, next up on um, our best of 2016 list was BBD coming from nowhere to win the world championship. Well, he, he did. He had, to, or he had to squeak out GP Master, like coming down, I think, the last GP. He actually – so he skipped GP Minneapolis – because he didn't think he could actually have a shot at it because who who was it that got it wasn't Ali on Trotsky, uh, was it? The suspension. No, someone um I forget who got the suspension. But somebody got suspended and for cheating. Uh, it was it was yeah, it was it was they were pretty they bad. They were stacking cheating. their deck and then BBD was just like, Oh wait, I have a shot at oh, this. Oh it was the man, yeah oh it was the mana weave thing, yeah, it was the mana weave setup. And BBD just went on a um, tear. Yeah. yeah, so it was him and one of the Harvard Rio players. It wasn't. Sh- was it Shuhei? No. No. Oh, I'm drawing a blank on this one. So I forget who it was. Either way, I know. But it was a hell of a race, and it came down to literally the last like. GP. Was it? It wasn't it was, Saito, was it? It might have been Saito. Might have been Saito. Either way, um, I know it came down to like the very last like GP. GP like, Sydney before Pro Tour Eldritch Moon. Yeah. So like he had to at least place better. Than the person he was racing yeah. against, and he did, and he made it to worlds like skin of his teeth, and then just went on a tear yeah. and won. Uh, if you want to, they actually did um, the Enter the Battlefield documentary series that the Walking the Plains guys are doing now. They actually covered this yeah. whole thing, so I recommend checking that out. We'll put a link in the, oh, yeah. the show. Enter the Battlefield doing one. or the Walking the Plains moving on to doing Enter the Battlefield style documentaries for for regular things has been fantastic as well. Yeah, so go, so go check that one out. That was their first episode they did about the Roanoke oh, yeah. crew. Uh, next up on our best of 2016 list, Ian, take it away. Oh, the magic story has stepped its game up. Oh, yeah. Like, they've, they really have pushed since uh, the Battle for Zendikar block, integrating the story with the card sets a lot more. And it really started happening with Origins? Yeah, mostly? Origins, redoing all the Origins um, stories was the big impetus here. Yeah, kind of like pushing new origin stories and then pushing what we later know now is the Gatewatch um, and really tying cards with the story and then putting greater focus on like stories instead of just like actually pushing plot ahead instead of like loosely related kind of stuff yeah. and all that kind of such. Um, it's been great. The team has been excellent. Um, I know I, we mentioned all the time, but like one of the people who write some of the best ones I enjoy are Allison and uh, Kimberly Crines. Yes. They write some of the best ones. They have been doing fantastic work. Um, 
moving on from that because I I would just be echoing what what Ian said is um, we got a lot more reprints um, this year than I think we would have expected, especially out of Eternal Masters and Conspiracy Take the Crown. Like we got reprints of Jace, Mana Crypt, Berserk, Show and Tell. Man. Yes, supplemental products this year, and there were a lot of them. That could technically be a worse thing because there was just. I mean, in the case of Conspiracy, it was worse because Conspiracy came out and then a month later, everyone shifted their focus off of it. Not even a month later, everyone shifted their focus off of that yeah. to Caldas. Conspiracy kind of, kind of, kind of took the took the heat for because it didn't have a lot of time to shine, unfortunately. But it was a great. Well, it was draft great drafting too. Oh. Um, but no, yeah, reprints that we got this year, great. Um, now they aren't in standard, which we would like, prefer. And it was, but but a lot of it, though, like a lot of them were like stuff that you didn't expect to see, and that they would have had to put in these kind of supplemental sets because without it, you just kind of wouldn't get yeah. them anywhere. Like Wasteland reprint, where are you going to get that Judge where are you promo? Reprint Caracas. Yeah, and Caracas price has plummeted. It's now. $46 for the uh, Eternal yeah. Masters edition version of that. Before, it was over $100 to get Crocus. And if you're playing Legacy, that's either a cyborg card or in your main board. I know Infect yeah. needed a copy. I still need to pick my Wastelands. But um, Top got a new reprint with great art. We got um, yeah. <laughs> Force of Will, again, reprinted, finally. Helped tank the price on that a little bit with new mm-hmm. Therese Nielsen art. Mana Crypt got a reprint. With, it's the judge promo well, art, but yeah, it's actual first. It's actually its first set printing because it was only ever in like supplements no, other book kind promo. of. Yeah, it was it was a promo card and then it was a judge promo and now it's an yeah, actual the, set card. Talk about the card, card that's been taking the, taking the longest time from printing to being in a booster pack. It's probably yeah, like, crypt. It was it was oh, needed yeah. though, and we got a Chromox reprint. Dak Faden got a reprint. Helped kind of slow down his crazy foil pricing because yeah. it was only from one set. Sylvan Library got yes. a nice reprint. Like, it was... Oh, Toxic Deluge, which had only ever seen printing in a Commander product, got a if set If only printing. they had reprinted Flusterstorm. Oh, if only. if only, dude. I still need to... I think I still need to pick yeah, up one. everybody needs one. I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's still being played in Legacy, in fact. Yeah. I'll figure it out. But, no, the reprints we got this year were spot on in Eternal Masters. And, like we said, Conspiracy did it, too, with their stuff as yeah. well. Moving on... Um, let's see what's, yeah, just Berserk. Yeah. Berserk got a reprint. Yeah, Berserk. <laughs> Needed it. From there, um, another big thing that happened this year was the announcement, to the chagrin of most, but Ian and I are putting it under our best column, the end of the modern pro tour. I'm sure other pros will agree with this one as well. Um, a lot of people kind of lament the lack of a modern pro tour, but we kind of realize now that they're bra- they broke the format way too quickly with modern pro tours. Um, we'll get to that actually in the worst because there was a worst for that one. Um, it also should help the banning cycle that usually goes on. Yeah. Cause we are getting used to these annual, uh, band restricted announcements for modern. And I feel like not having to worry about those is going to be a net positive for the format. Yeah. Cause, cause bloom got, uh, it was, it was summer bloom, right? bloom, yeah, bloom and got banned. got banned and then we'll get to what happened in the worst. And then we got another banning for during Shadows. So so speaking of banning and stuff, we're just going to roll. Because there's not really much more to be said about the end of the Modern Pro Tours other than, you know, they're breaking the format. And we're sad that you're leaving in good riddance. I just, I enjoy Modern Pro Tours. But yeah, I'm not sad to see them go. But 
The banning of Splinter Twin. We have this as part of the best talk and part of the worst because <laughs> I put this here. I put this here. Go I'm ahead. going to talk about it. <laughs> no, um, no. So I put it in the best category because the reason at the time was for the sake of diversity of the format. And that is something that I'll bring up again when we talk about the worst. Banned for the sake of diversity of the format because if you were playing blue, you were probably playing Splinter Twin or Infect. I think it was more Period. like if you're playing like blue-red, you, you might as well just play Splinter Twin. Yeah, if you're playing any kind of deck that was playing blue and playing red, you're playing Splinter Twin or you're wrong. Like, it was keeping it was keeping a lot of decks suppressed because um, it didn't really give enough room for some other decks to, you know, possibly stretch their legs out. Like, for instance, if Splinter Twin was ever banned, we never would have seen the Jess Kind of Hiri deck no. exist. I honestly don't think we would have seen that. We would never have seen Jeff Hoogland try out his Kiki Twin. Or his Kiki... Uh, Kiki Cord? Well, Kiki Cord was yeah, still Kiki around Kiki before decks. the Twin banning. It just got a little bit better. But yeah. well, but that's what I'm saying, though. Because it was one of those, why are you playing this deck? It literally exists better right here in Splinter Twin. Um, however, and this is where we're going to transition into the worst, it removed essentially the only remaining pseudo control deck that existed in the format it did keep a lot of decks in and check that was kind of the big problem with twin is it did keep a lot of things in check because it did serve as this weird gatekeeper where it's a deck that could win on turn four which is kind of modern's mantra but at the same time if you tried to go long against it it would just beat you with that too it was a really strange deck to play against and 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 the sideboard plan was literally sideboard out of your combo and just play a blue red control deck you would more often you would more often than not, yeah, more often than not just, and by the end of the Twins Day, it became basically yeah. Grixis Twin, um, because stuff like uh, Colagon's Command was just insane in the deck, and and uh, Terminate for yeah. kill and removal. Like, you just literally sideboard out your combo pieces, like your Pestromites, your uh, Deceiver Exarchs, and your tw actual Twins. Sometimes people leave Deceiver Exarch in just as a nice blocker, because it's value. Flash in a nice blocker that can tap something down and yeah, one fours block a lot of or things. untap something of yours. Yeah, in the form like I mean, it'll stop infect creatures relatively decently and other things like that. But I have it on my personal worst list because now I know the feeling of having a deck banned out from <laughs> under me. <laughs> That's true. I finished. I finished Splinter Twin not even a week before it got banned. I find like because. To be perfectly honest, it was one of those decks that people like kind of like, oh yeah, we should probably just ban Splinter Twin, like kind of half jokingly because of the suppression aspect of it. However, this was really something that kind of like everyone's like, wait a minute, on is there was an update to the test the test uh, build of Magic Online the day or two before the actual ban restricted list was supposed to be announced, and on that particular build, Splinter Twin and Summer Bloom were banned. And everyone's like, wait a minute. Summer Bloom's banned. We were expecting that. What the hell is Twin doing banned? It blew up on the internet. Wizards had to go, yeah, you got us. We goofed. We released that build probably a little too early. Yeah. Splinter Twin is banned. Um, I remember actually being at an event that – I think it was a pre-release event that night seeing Twitter start blowing up about this. I had noticed – I downloaded the build of that Magic Online that right then as well. Saw that it was banned. Went to that uh, pre-release and as soon as it went official, I started saying, yo, Splinter Twin got banned. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so um, that was kind of bad, uh, personally, because it sucks, because now I just have like a bunch of those cards just sitting around. Your um, Snapcasters are still with good. Them, they but... played in other decks. Eh, 
Delver's not as great anymore. But anyway, moving on. We talked about more reprints being good. However, we still need more reprints, yeah. and it's showing. Um, uh, Wedge of the Manosaurs did a fantastic video um, earlier today um, on the reprints that, that he was kind of hoping for to see out of Modern Masters 2017, which is coming out in March. Um, and, yeah, it's getting to the point where certain cards just need to be more available. Um, it, Even ones that have seen a Modern Masters reprint have, have been spiking lately. Um, for instance, because of Bant Eldrazi decks, uh, Engineered Explosives went from being a $9 card to now it's yeah. a $50 card. And that had reprinting just the three Arc years ago. The has reprinting in the last Modern Masters, and it's still a $60 card. Yeah, that dropped down to 34 and then shot back up again because yeah. of Bantel Drazi. Um, stuff like that, also yep. Cavern of Souls, again, because of Bantel yep, Drazi. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a theme here, kids, <laughs> and we're getting to it. Um, my hope is that Modern Masters 2017, which we should be seeing uh, March? Yeah, it's coming out in March. March is. So we'll start seeing spoilers in yep. February, mid to late February for that. I want to see, because... There were some problems, like some of these Masters reprint sets have been too high-end and not enough on the low-end. Modern Masters 1 did an amazing job spreading the field across like the spectrum of like cost-wise. Um, Modern Masters 2, really steep sh- drop-off in EV and everything like yeah. that. Um, basically, after Lightning Bolt, there's, there's like five or six uncommons that are above $2.00. And that's it. And lightning bolts Not always be like two bucks. And that's because everybody needs bolts. Yeah, but there's other stuff like in there that you know you might want to get some other kind of like padding that decent cards. I mean, we got a reman yes. reprint, which is great. Eldrazi Temple, yeah, Eldrazi. That's a seven dollar card. Lightning bolts four dollars. Dismember because it sees play because thanks yeah. to Phyrexian mana, that's a two dollar card. Expedition map, which is Tron and Mutagenic Growth. Yeah. In fact, those are some of the big decks in the format, and those are the uncommons yeah. that are popular from them. After that, it's just yeah. nothing. But the big card, really. like the big money cards that people um, want to see reprinted, like I do agree with Wedge's argument that Goyf should not be a hundred dollar card. No, um, that's still seeing its price memory. Remember, with Modern Masters twenty seventeen, we get unlocked RTR up block. to Innistrad. Yeah, because well. uh, the last one unlocked up to Car- up to New Frexia, which included Karn. So this one will unlock up to RTR. So we would get right. Yeah, so we're gonna see we're gonna see Liliana reprinted. We're gonna probably see Cavern of Souls reprinted. We're gonna see Snapcaster reprinted. Should be it should be in there too. Abrupt yeah, Abrupt Decay is gonna get a reprint. I would not be surprised to see Voice of Resurgence because they love their token yeah. strategies in white green in these master sets. Um, we're gonna see some reprints that need to happen. Hopefully, we just get some yeah. of the backfiller as well. Other people do, doing another great topics on this. We're gonna move on into the damn thing we were just talking about yeah, with the Eldrazi, Eldrazi winter was John take it, it away was cold oh it was so at the beginning of the year pro we had Oath of the Gatewatch Pro Tour Oath of the Gatewatch or Pro Tour Atlanta in February they we realized just how insanely broken it is to print two mana Eldrazi when you have stuff like Eye of Ugin which gets them for free and Eldrazi Temple which is a two-mana land for those cards. You could, essentially, by turn... There was a turn two, two kill in the Eldrazi decks that were at the Pro Tour. Uh, yeah. A modern deck had a turn two kill that more often than not would happen maybe yeah. by turn three. Like, so the turn, turn two four. and turn three kills were not super likely. Like, the turn two kill involved Eye of Ugin, 
into quadruple Eldrazi Mimic, into uh, Eldrazi Temple, tap it, exile Simeon Spirit Guide, cast Reality Smasher, swing for 25 on turn two. Yeah, like, you... it. The colorless versions of the deck were the most popular. Blue-red was also a thing. Um, they had to ban, like John mentioned, um, for Shadows, they banned Eye uh, mm -hmm. which kind of hit Tron. Tron slightly, survives. But I personally think... I No, it survived. Yeah. They use Sanctum of Ugin now. A um, little slower, a little less inevitability, but still works. Um, they It evolved into Bant Eldrazi, which is just basically the mid... like. It's an alternative to the mid-range Jund and yeah. Obzon decks out there. It's just value city. Um, and like I said, because that deck became so popular, and it still is a very popular archetype, it has pushed up a lot of prices of cards. Like um, like some, two, some of the top-tier decks, Infect and Ban Eldrazi, use yeah. Noble Hierarch. Um, you, uh, Merfolk and Ban Eldrazi use... Uh, Cavern of Souls, which pushed that price up. Uh, a lot of decks as a release valve against some of these crazy combo decks are packing engineered explosives. Um, it drove prices up. Uh, the archetype even migrated to Legacy, but because the power level is so high there, it's kept it in check as opposed to where Modern... You were basically playing a Legacy yeah. deck in Modern, which was a... Pre oh, and Chalice of the Void. How yeah, can I forget Chalice, Chalice of the Void? pretty good. Yeah, turn one Chalice for one literally locks... Basically, infect almost yeah. out of the game, and so many other decks too get shut down. But that was a they realized the error of their ways. Unfortunately, were able didn't emergency ban, but they did ban in a timely manner. Yeah, that deck, which is sad, but you know. Oh, quick honorable mention regarding bannings though, uh, in Pauper, uh, having Peregrine Drake right after banning Cloud of Fairies that does basically the same thing but worse at common. Thanks to Eternal Masters. That was pretty rough, too. That was crazy. Anyway, moving on. Last last worst thing is boring standards. Yeah, like, the last standard was dominated by a collected company, specifically the Bant variety. And this standard, we're being kind of dominated by Embercools and Smuggler's Copters. Yeah, and one thing I also put here, like, you mentioned Collected Company, which I played because it was one of the best decks to play. You play one of the best. Um, Blue-White Flash, it's the spiritual successor to collect a company and yes absolutely pun intended there <laughs> um it's just the collected company decks that don't have green because you don't need yeah. green for company anymore so it streamlines your mana base it streamlines all of that crazy well the land sequencing in the collected company was yep. a nightmare but yeah um sam stoddard did that article about how what we have right now isn't efficient enough to like, deal Stan with what's available. Like to do these retrospectives on standards, and this was his Kaladesh retrospective, and he mused in his article whether they're making the threats to be a little bit too good, and, and that the answers aren't as efficient because in their playtesting in in the Future Future League, they didn't have these Turbo Emrakul decks to try to cast Emrakul as early as possible. Uh, they didn't have Smuggler's Copter mm -hmm. as the de facto um, aggro card in their format. Um, they they didn't they didn't anticipate the community's willingness to break the hell yeah. out of Emrakul. Um, and Sam admits like, that you know Emrakul is a cool thing to happen all the it's time. It's one of those things, but it's or is a cool thing to happen, but it's not cool when it happens every time or every tournament. Yeah, but but and that's one of the things. It's like when I said it there, it's just like community plus Emrakul plus potentially broken mechanic. Yeah, the community's yeah. going to break the hell out of it. Um, and this also came out 
came out about because uh, BBD, as we mentioned at the top of the show, um, Winning Worlds, posted a great article today about how Standard just isn't great right now because he basically says what Sam Snyder says in his article. There are too many cards that effectively say, I win the game, and the answers aren't super efficient. Like, he says the cheapest artifact removal in red, the best color for destroying artifacts, is four mana. Yeah, like, we're talking a thing that would have, like, Ancient Grudge with, you know, one in a red, destroy target artifact at instant speed, and you flash back from your graveyard for green. Just one also, green. there's no graveyard hate. Oh, yeah. Like, he mentioned specifically Rest in Peace, which came out in RTR block, which was only a scant, like, three or so years ago, but it's a, like, that's it's, just way too yeah, powerful. I think that, our, that Rest in Peace would be a little too good. Um, at just it would it would effectively shut down any green black deck, um, that are try, that's trying to cast Emmer Cool. Um, but I mean, I think that, yeah. and I wanted I almost wanted to do an entire episode talking about Sam's article. So we'll we'll we might save the rest of that that conversation for another time. But I do think, and I agree with BBD, and I agree with Sam's assessment that the answers need to get better. Yeah, um, I know Sam actually did a Twitter question, not even a poll, just a question. On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you think of current standard environment now that it's about over, 10 being the best? Average yeah. answer was 3, 3 to 4, and BBD put it 4 to 5. Like, it's game. they say gameplay is good in a lot of games, they're skill intensive and complex, but it's just, he's like, in BBD's article, he says, but for every one of those games, there are really dumb games where someone just marvels into yeah. an Emmercall on turn 4. And what are you going to do against the 13-13 that controls your next turn on turn four? Yeah. Nothing. There's literally nothing to do against that. Um, pure control. Basically out of the format, we mentioned the Jeskai control deck. That's basically the only deck that exists now, and it exists in a blue-red spells and a Jeskai spells deck that looks for Torrential Gear Hulk and Dynavolt Tower as basically yeah, your it's, win cons. It's a weird place right now for for those for those types of uh, for the, those types of strategies. However. However, Sam did mention that they were basically already finalized Kaladesh by the time they were realizing some of the stuff. So Aether Revolt should have some answers I, to some of these issues. I think we'll actually However, see this fixed closer to the end of Amonkhet block. I think that's when we'll actually yeah. start seeing the, no, real, yeah, they have time like, the real solution to these problems. Yeah, but we're going to – I mean we'll at least probably see some stuff. I, I would hope to see some maybe decent instant speed three damage yeah. removal. Like, we've already seen um, Oath of Ajani, which is a very efficient threat card. Um, we've seen Tezzeret, who's very interesting. We'll, we'll talk about Tezzeret another time. We'll probably, because we're actually, since we're moving toward the end of the episode, we'll just mention we're probably not going to do an episode next week, full yeah. episode, we should say. John might do a solo shot, um, or whatever we're going to call it, um, because I'll be home for the holidays, visiting family. Actually, next Wednesday, we record on Wednesdays. Uh, next Wednesday, I'm actually going to see Hamilton again. Sick brags. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, he'll probably talk about some of the... We might be getting some more spoiler cards. Some other stuff have come out. Uh, revealed I mean, cards. We're supposed to so get something on Christmas, we'll, we'll discuss so we'll those. see what it is. Yeah, we'll see what that happens. And if anything, John might do a quick little episode about yeah. that for you guys to listen to. Uh, but for that, that's basically kind of our best and worst of 2016. You know, that's a pretty good limited... Had some awesome plays from or awesome performances by some pro players. End of the modern pro tour, banning of some oppressive decks. Worst banning of a deck, you know, because I miss it. Eldrazi winner, which was just oppressive. Um, boring standard reprints, both sides of the fence. It was a pretty decent year. I mean, I, mean, I, I think they've, I think Watsi 2016 for Magic was a great yeah. learning year. 
they saw what there was a lot of things that worked really well and there was a lot of oh crap let's make sure this doesn't happen again stuff i mean and it's better than kind of a middle of the road year like it was very peaky high and low there was really not a lot of good middle ground which and honestly for me it's good if my worst if my best and worst criticisms of the year are great limited formats and pretty up pretty subpar standards i would be pretty happy with that year because you like a great standard bad limited I can see that because there's other exactly. construction formats you can play. But I think that's going to go ahead and do it for us tonight. Ian, if people wanted to find you on the social medias or wanted to watch you stream a, I don't know, vintage cube draft in the near future, where could they do that? You guys can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. And you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. That's just D-I-X. Um, like I said, John and I will probably be doing something yep. tomorrow night. So tonight for you listening to it on release date of the 22nd um yeah uh, i might do something else over the holidays don't know follow me on twitter i'll post about it hopefully do a little more magic streaming in the new year because i've started gearing up streaming again and starting to make kind of a rough plan of things so john where can they find find you on on social media twitter's at jwiley129 jwiley129 you can also find me on twitch by the same handle um Again, same deal with, with Twitch streaming. It's on my to-do list. But we'll see. Um, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, if you guys want to reach the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at EyesOnTheMize. Or if you have any more personal questions, you can shoot us an email at EyesOnTheMize at gmail.com. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback, so please send us your comments, your questions, your concerns of any sort. And we will try to try to make this podcast as best as we can coming into the new year. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time.